This is the Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck Podcast. Every game. You are going to go back to throw the ball. Sets up, looks, throws toward the corner of the end zone. It is intercepted! Intercepted! And it's in the ball! Every story. If we just continue to push and grind and go and take care of our guys, it's going to be built to last. The Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck owner, Justin Hopkins. And Matt Bagley from 96.1, 580, the game. Hey, everybody, Matt Bagley alongside Justin Hopkins, Scoop Duck in Hi Fi. And it's so great. We got the blue sky, we got the warmer weather. And Oregon just came out and said they're going to have some spring practices in Portland. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I know that's always, uh, well, you know, obviously that came out like 30 minutes before we're starting to record this now um you know i know that's really exciting for a lot of fans i mean it's just that's a big area up there you know a lot of population i know a ton of duck fans and and not that portland to eugene is a long way but by the time you you know say you drive down and there's some traffic it's it's an hour and a half maybe you know you do that both ways and you go watch a little bit of football it makes for a long day so you know, for, for fans to be able to basically go maybe a half hour or 20 minutes or less. Right. Makes a lot of sense. And I, I think uh, I think it's good for Oregon, for the football team. It's a little bit of traveling just so you kind of get that feel, you know what I mean, as opposed to, you know, walking out of the tunnel and, and out of locker room and on the field every day. Mm-hmm. Kind of get that feel of hitting the road a little bit um, because that's an important element to football too is, is being able to play well on the road not just at home. So, um, you know, not that that's a big trek, but I, I, I think it helps. It's not a bad thing, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, you talk about the time. I feel like they're going to spend more time stuck on the 26th than they will just getting up to Portland. <laughs> yeah, m- more than likely. All I mean, luckily it's a Saturday, but, yeah, it's the, the, the idea remains, like you said, it still gets a ton of traffic up there. Uh, but that's super exciting. I mean, it's just, I think it's great that they do that. I think they, you know, I know like you and me sitting here and I've been asked, you know, why don't they come to Southern Oregon? Look, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. Okay, that would be great. But I mean, let's be real about, you know, the, the population density. Right. You know, I mean, right. it, it has to make sense. Well, it's it's not just can you sell? Because I think they could. I think Eugene fan would make that trip easy. Yeah. Go to Crater Lake for the day with your kids or right. take a left turn and go to Brookings afterwards. I, I think that makes a lot of sense for a lot of people. It's where do you play? Well, yeah. Yeah. Where do you play? I mean, I, I guess the only thing that makes sense if we went to SOU and did it at Ashland. Right. That's right. probably the only thing that makes some sense. SOU, they can fill a couple thousand there at yeah. Southern Oregon. Yeah. And that's a nice venue. Yeah. Great uh, venue. I do, I do a lot of games there. Yeah. Really nice venue. And then maybe Spiegelberg in Medford. Yeah. I, maybe. I know. I know at its peak you can fit about five or six thousand there. Right. But parking is gonna be atrocious. Parking would be <laughs> and facilities are gonna be yeah. let's just say a downgrade yeah, from, no. from what those players are used to. Yeah, no doubt. It's no. it's a historic stadium. Right. But it's old. You know what the best part about all this is though? We're talking about spring football already. Oh, I know. It just it's crazy. Well it's what, absolutely crazy. What's what's great about this is if Aaron Feld had left. Right. Then this would have been the world's saddest podcast. Yeah, because you love him, I love him. I think he's really vital. Duck fans love him, right? Yeah, right. 
but now we don't have to whine about Aaron Feld leaving and right. point fingers at anybody. Right. It's great. Why just give them all the money? Okay. Well, that's <laughs> I get it. That's not how a good that's how a good business operates. Right. So well, it's, uh, it's not your money to spend. Yeah, that's when it's really easy to say that, right? Yeah, it's really just give them a couple million. Just let it have them stay. Right. You know. Um, and I get it. I get the sentiment, and and I agree with fans that you know, hey, losing him. And that's the thing. Losing a guy like Aaron Feld would definitely be a blow to the program. But Mario Cristobal's built this program in a way that he can sustain those blows. Was Dante Williams going to USC a, a blow to Oregon? Yeah, it was. I mean, he's a great recruiter, and he's done a lot of great things at Oregon. But Rod Chance is a really good hire. I mean, and the good part is you're talking, I don't want to belittle anyone's role but you're talking about a cornerback coach you're not talking about a coordinator you know what i mean it's like right. one, one, and it's not even a, a whole defensive back you're talking about basically two guys on the field is who this guy coaches mm -hmm. it's a loss i'm not saying that it's great that oregon has a cornerback and a safety coach but let's be real you know that impact there is is pretty minimal compared to say maybe somebody that helps with the offensive line right you know five or six guys or defensive line or right. Those coaches are really hard to find. Good line coaches are really, really hard to find. Um, that's a really, really tough um, position to coach. So I think Rod Chance is going to be great. I know we don't need to spend a lot of time there. Um, our guest today, we can maybe ask him a little bit about the, um, you know, the early returns of Rod Chance and and what we what, what he thinks there. But uh, he'll he'll definitely be a better. A uh, better person to tell about that. Yeah, so. yeah. We finally get to check one off the list. We've had Mario on before. We've had a boatload of players on before, mm -hmm. and some coaches. Yep. And now we get Andy Avalos. We get Oregon's defensive coordinator. Uh, you know, we'll get him on for a few minutes here. In about just as Matt and I are recording, in about fifteen to twenty minutes from now. Um, which means you have to listen to us for a little bit longer. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, no. I mean, spring ball is back. Uh, you know, men's basketball uh, kind of closing in a in a bit of a positive way. It was it would certainly seem for the last week here. Did we get a chance to talk? I don't I don't think we did after the Arizona game. Right. With oh oh, oh hoops. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. I don't think we did. I think we kind of just like oh yeah they got a couple games this week. Bye. You know. But no. Uh, men's basketball obviously. Let's see. They've got two more games this week. Right. Uh, women are already about to get started on Friday. So, you know, right. I think we've talked more about the women and, and probably deservedly. So just what an incredible season. Yeah. Uh, you know, the way they finished obviously, uh, last, last weekend, pack 12 coach of the year, Kelly Graves. Yeah. I mean, player of the year. I mean, just, man, what a, and we, I mean, we knew it's not like, it's not like a hot take. We knew this was going to be a tremendous season for them. They knew it. You know, everybody in the building knew that this would be a great season for Oregon, but just to see them really kind of follow it through um, and, and finish the way it has. And then of course, having the impact of, of Kobe Bryant's death in there kind of, you know, impacting the season and sort of how it's gone for Sabrina and some of the other players has, has been, you know, a part of that storyline as well. So, but yeah, men still got some ball left. Yeah, yeah. I was I was on the coast two weeks ago. Um, it was kind of a late Valentine's Day getaway because I work every year on Valentine's Day. Oh, gotcha. Uh, you probably dealt with this too because you have a, a son who's playing high school ball. Oh, yeah. They always play on Valentine's Day. Yeah, he played. That always night, play yeah. on Valentine's yeah. Day. And radio guy covering high school hoops, I always got to work on Valentine's Day. So the week after, I drove up to Portland kidnapped my lady 
we went to the coast. Right. And I'm in a dive bar in Seaside that Saturday night telling her, oh, there's no way the Ducks win this game. Right. Right? Because right. Arizona's going to hit these free throws, yep. and it's going to be over. And they don't. Right. It goes to overtime, and I'm thinking, oh, Peyton doesn't have any points in OT. Right. There's no way the Ducks win this game, babe. Yep. Arizona has those free throws. They miss them. I, I still can't believe what I watched. Yeah, that was a really crazy turn of events there. Uh, I, I just got to – I mean, I – I gotta say the way Peyton Pritchard's playing basketball right now, just I mean his 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 um his poise and his confidence out there is just it's absolutely remarkable. I right. just I, I I I shudder and I shouldn't utter these words, but I will. I shudder to think what this team would be like without him. You know, I mean it would be it would be bad. It would be bad, and you don't have to yes. look far. I mean, right. look at Oregon State right now. Right, they have good players. I yeah. think Trace Tinkle is a great player. They don't have a distributor. Yeah, they don't have that guy driving the race car like Pritchard. Right. No, and they just I mean, when when Oregon needs a big shot, they turn to him and he delivers. I mean, just, and I think even then, even you know, there's points in the middle of the game where he'll go down the court and take about three or four dribbles past half court and jack up a shot. You're like, no, don't take that shot. Oh, it went in. Mm -hmm. And then he does that like he just and then goes down and play defense and gets the steal and does it again. That's the type of stuff in the middle of the game that, that sure maybe it's only a six points or whatever, but that's the type type of thing that deflates another team. Mm -hmm. And when you have that, that really changes the course of a basketball game. They've got to come out and immediately respect that. That obviously opens up the interior of the basketball court. Um, just having a guy like Peyton, like you know, just from a, a leadership standpoint, just from a confidence standpoint. Um, like I said, I I, I don't want to even even think about what this team would be like without him yeah and, and I'm right there with you on what he brings to this team uh, to borrow another sports analogy think about Kayvon Thibodeau with the Ducks oh, yeah. where Kayvon has a power I believe this year he'll really tap into it when he wills himself to get a sack yeah he will get a sack right right or a baseball player I will hit a home run sometimes these guys can hit a home run yeah uh, soccer we've seen it guys They'll try that cannon shot from distance, and it pays off. The no, no, yes thing, where Peyton will shoot an ugly shot, shoot a shot that he shouldn't shoot, right, and it goes in anyway. Yeah, you can't rely on that consistently, right? But over the course of a game, you need that guy to hit that shot. Yeah, yeah. When it happens a time or two, it definitely changes the dynamic of the opponent. So I know we'll get into basketball, you know, a little more. Uh, you know, uh, you know, Pac-12 tournament's going to be kicking off, and that'll be exciting for next yeah. week. Vegas, uh, Vegas, baby. Um, I still need to get that on my list of things. I, I hear it's just a ton of fun every year. I, I definitely want to go um, and do that myself. It's just it's really difficult. For me to do that with the way spring balls now lining up now right. overlapping because not that I go to the spring practices but me being at home and able to work and watch a basketball game while you know looking at the practice reports or videos or whatever right. and getting everything yeah I can do that from scoop duck HQ at home it's really tough for me to do that courtside at you know in Vegas yeah so especially since they have adult drinks in Vegas and you don't say <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you don't feel quite so bad drinking at noon on a Tuesday because you're inside a building with no windows. It's funny how that works. <laughs> yeah. I, I've always said, I think um, we used to have a, a radio host here on my station and he used to have a show up in Portland too, Scott Farrell, who would go to Vegas for Super Bowl week 
All the other hosts are going on Radio Row, wherever the Super Bowl is held every year, even if it's in Minnesota and you're freezing your butt off. Yeah. Or New York. And right. you're just getting rained on all week. And Scotty would go to Vegas. I always thought that was brilliant, right? Because right. you're, you're just hanging out in a casino for six days. I couldn't do that. And, and I feel for you when you talk about it because you put some tequila in my hand. And yeah. All yeah. of a sudden, I'm... Yeah. I'm not the same broadcaster. Right, yeah, my, and it takes me twice as long to write anything, and there's a lot more <laughs> mistakes in there, and I'm fully aware of it. So when you guys read it and think, oh, J-Hop must have had three or four beers last night, you're probably not far off, you know, if, if your <laughs> redundant sentences are stupid. Here he goes. Yeah, yeah. He's tweeting about Andrew Nebeck. He must have had something good. That's right. So, no, I know some of our listeners probably going, all right, J-Hop and Matt, that's enough basketball talk. You got some basketball talk. We yeah. got spring ball coming. We got Andy Avalos coming on in about 15 minutes. I had, you know, one thing that, and I didn't text you, that, and I thought about it on the way here, but just one thing real quick we can cool. glance over cool. is this, I want to say this the right way, the Pac, or Oregon going independent, leaving the Pac-12. This is bogus, right? That t- Well, first off, there's no substantiated, uh, there's nothing behind it other than, I guess, Kanzano and others going, why shouldn't Oregon do this? Right. And it's like. Well, why should Oregon do this? <laughs> to me, I mean, it seems like a massive mistake. And I, I think I tweeted this at somebody. It's like, the solution is super simple here, people. You just need to fire Larry Scott. Yes, yes. And it, we're good. I'm right there with you. But to, I mean, just, I, I just, the, on the surface, it's like some of the other things you and I talk about. Hey, it's it's not my money. So yeah, give Aaron Feld all he wants. Right. Well, it's, you know, I'm sitting back here. Yeah, it's real simple. Just leave the Pac-12. It's simple. Yeah. No, it's not. Yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous. I look at it. I, I'm glad that you have this approach. I, I'm glad that you have this approach because John is a friend of mine. Sure. And I reached out when he posted that. And I said, John, I love your work. I think this is dumb. Yeah. And I think it's it's way too optimistic. There's no way it can happen. Right. And I speak as somebody who grew up a Notre Dame fan. Right. To compare the Ducks to Notre Dame. Yeah. I know you win more than Notre Dame. Right. I, I think Oregon's a better football player. You win more right now. now. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But Notre Dame fan is national. Yeah. Duck fan isn't it's not national. You have LA. Yeah. You have Portland. You have Seattle. But you don't you're not going to get great ratings in Chicago, yeah. New York, Boston. Um where where I thought about this was you need the Pac twelve. Yes. You need the Huskies to say, we're going to get great ratings in Seattle. You need USC to say, we're going to get great ratings in L.A. Yeah. And, yeah, you need to fire Larry Scott and get somebody at the top who can negotiate with these TV networks and say, I've got all these West Coast markets. Give us money. Right. If the Ducks try to do that on their own, they're screwed. I can't believe that there isn't a deal out there that benefits both sides. The networks need to make money, too. They can't just give away money. I get it. They've got a business to run. The Pac-12, I believe, needs to look after their best interests. I'm not really sure that's being served right now. And that's, I think, the biggest underlying problem. Secondly, and and to speak on almost exactly what you said, I think the Pac-12 is also hurt right now because USC sucks. Yes. They need USC yes. to be I mean Oregon needs USC to be better. The Pac-12 needs USC to be better, specifically in football. Right. The rest of the stuff isn't a big deal. They need that. And yes. I I think that's been we're talking about Larry Scott, that's the number one problem of the Pac-12. The number two problem is that USC has not been good for a long time. And that really hurt because USC has a better bid in my opinion to go independent than Oregon does. Strongly agree. I I think back to 
what was it, a month ago, we had Greg Biggins. And Greg, great recruiting guy, 24-7 sports. He told us when he goes to these uh, football exhibitions, right? Right. The, the, the Seven-on-seven seven tournaments. Seven on seven, yeah. Things yeah. like that. He says the kids will wear gear from all the schools that are offering. So you get an LSU sweater or a Ducks jersey or whatever. The parents, all the parents are wearing USC gear. Yeah. I think, honestly, and, and this will relay, Dante Williams, okay, he left Oregon for USC. A lot of people scratching their head. Why would you do that, okay? If if we move the family matters aside, we move the move the fact that maybe his dad is of poor health and getting closer to him is, is important, and I'm not degrading that in any way. Dante Williams is a guy in his 30s, mid to late 30s, Guess what he grew up watching? USC football. USC football. You're going to tell me that that is your demographic, though, and that's what we're talking. About. We're we're talking about the 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 people that are, you know, early to mid 30s into their 50s. They grew up when USC was kicking ass. Yeah. And there's no doubt in my mind that in the back of Dante Williams' mind, he's thinking, "Man, I have a chance to go be at the USC." And your your visions are the USC you grew up with, right? Not with what you, not with what it is now. We know it's in trouble now. Although I think Clay Helton made a lot of really good hires this offseason. and it's an even younger group than that. I mean, think about let's say let's say the Reggie Bush years. Bush liner, you have Lofa Tutupu and a throng of of stars in the NFL defensively back there for USC. Yep. When those teams were good, they were getting the twelve o'clock yeah. prime yeah. slot on ABC. When those teams were good, college game day was coming to L.A. Right. And when those teams were good, you know, Jim Rome always has the expression, in L.A., your sport, your team, whatever it is, has to compete with the beach, and the beach always wins. Right. USC beat the beach. Yeah. USC was the top dog, number one thing. I'm with you. USC's got a better shot of going independent than Oregon does. Yes. Even then, I still don't think it's viable. I, I think the not Pac-12, right now for sure. The yeah. Pac-12 just needs to buckle up. Yes. Get rid of Larry Scott and reach out to these other networks. You know, I, yeah. I, what I would try, and this is kind of weird. Um, our friend Matt Prem has mm-hmm. talked about this for basketball before, of staggering the games where you play one on a Monday, one on a Tuesday. Why not do that for football? Yeah, a little tougher for yeah. Football is a different animal than bas- I know. You know, Matt loves basketball, and I know I know he spends a lot of time on there. He's got a lot of great ideas there. Football wise, I'm not sure that would work. Um, yeah, just with practices and everything, and, and man, it's just such a brutal sport. Their bodies need time off. Um, I don't know that that would work, but I do believe I do believe there's a deal to be made for the Pac-12 with some networks or even something more progressive than we're thinking about right now. I just don't think Larry, if Larry Scott's idea of thinking outside the box is let me get hooked up with Apple streaming, we're screwed. Right. I mean, we're screwed. You know I mean? That doesn't, that's not going to tap into anything. Um, That doesn't solve anything. At the end of the day, I know a lot of people are cord cutting, but you still need those networks because at the end of the day, ESPN, you know, ABC, CBS, they're going to air a lot of those, that sports on their own app or whatever. It's right. it's not going to be right. on Sling or YouTube TV or whatever. They're going to hold that right for themselves for the most part, I believe, for a long time. You still need those networks. Yeah. So it's, it's not a question of reach. Yeah. Right? right. If it was a question of reach, you could just build your own thing. Sure. Or, or put them on Pac-12 network and yeah. give them to everybody. 
It's a question of money. Right. It's a question of money. Because Pac-12 Network, Pac-12's not making money on Pac-12 Network. Right. If ESPN buys the games, they're making money on ESPN. Absolutely. Yeah. No, it's just... But, you know, again, back to the root of the point, I, uh, I'm i not picking on John. I know I, I think when he when 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 John and I'm talking about John Canzano, when he puts his head down, he can write a fantastic article. I mean, he, if he's you know, if you if you're getting him down the middle, not being too far one way or the other, he can write a fantastic article. Some stuff like that, like this, in my mind, seems to be. Let me throw this out there. I know it'll generate right some discussion. Purely an argument builder. Yeah, no, and I, I think is. that's what it what it was. And and again, just it seems to it took off a lot more than I thought because I saw it get get out there and I was like, oh my gosh, who wrote, you know who wrote that? And then I, I saw it. I was like, okay, well he's going for discussion. But then like several other people started to ponder it. It's like, man, I I, I feel like everybody jumped onto a really bad idea here. So <laughs> and I'm not picking on John. That's fine. I mean, it's I don't fault him for coming up with it or putting the article out there. Um, in the slow times, that's the kind of stuff that tends to come out from, from anybody. Um, but as far as the idea itself goes, if an Oregon fan thinks that that's the best thing for Oregon football or just the Oregon brand, I'm sorry. I think Oregon is great at recruiting nationally, but you're talking about a whole different bottle of wax when you're talking about a national appeal from TV deals and viewership. That's a totally different entity. And I just, yeah. uh, Oregon's not there. Yeah. Like you said, Notre Dame hasn't been that great Oregon, but they've got a hundred years of tradition. Oregon doesn't have that. Yeah. I mean, USC has much more tradition than Oregon. They have a better bid to do that. I mean, there's, there's schools that can get away with it. Oregon's just not one of them at this time. Not yet. Not yet at not. this time. That's why I said that. Right. Give Mario Cristobal another decade. I'm with you. <laughs> I'm with you, man. Hey, I, I, I mean, we all want to say doom and gloom, right? And and oh, you know Mario and his personality, and you read the Kinzano pieces, and you read some of the rumblings in Seattle and on the blogs, and all the negative crap that people want to say about this program. He just kept his strength, coach. Right. He got an improvement. We all think at offensive coordinator, kept his DC, who I believe is a just incredible guy right has the brightest future of anybody on that staff mario cristobal is building something pretty sweet in eugene i think by his own admittance if somebody asked mario cristobal if he's a workaholic he would probably admit to it i'm guessing and you know is he hard on his guys yeah is he he's hard on his guys i mean is nick saban hard on his guys you know, and I, I get it. There's a line. There's a there's a line where you can, you know, push guys pretty hard and then you've pushed them too far. I don't think he pushes anybody too far. But if anybody comes in and they've worked for, you know, somebody that's a little bit more laid back and it's, you know, there's more family time and taking time off. That's that's just not what Chris Mario Chris Paul is going to be. He's you're going to show up, you're going to work and he's going to try to get every ounce of you. He'll be loyal to you. He'll take care of you. It's not a bad thing. This is not a bad thing about Mario Cristobal. I mean, it's it's almost like this applies to a lot of life. You know, it seems like young people, in fact, for the most part, are afraid to to work too hard or get overworked or whatever. This isn't a bad thing. That's that's what this country was built on was hard work right. you know people pulling up their boots and and getting to work and hey look it, i'm not going to take the easy road here i'm not going to just work a couple hours and call it a day that's not what we, some people do do that and and some people can get away with it but i think in terms of mario Chris Paul, he's not running anybody off he's not there's no you know 
there's no fire inside of the of the Hatfield Dallin complex because Mario Cristobal overworks his guys. He does work his guys hard, and I'm sure that most would admit that. But at the end of the day, you see the results. When you see the results, which is in the second year you've won a Pac-12 championship and you're Rose Bowl champions. And you never lost to Washington. Yeah, and you've never. But when you see those results, it becomes apparent, hey, my hard work paid off. Okay, so, you know, if we go and start a business and we go invest a bunch of our time into it and it grows and, and we're successful because of it, at the end of it, you say, hey, my hard work paid off. I get it. It's just like coaching. You got to go. You, you, there are no shortcuts. You know, you're not going to just, oh, we're going to fly in here and we'll, you know, watch a little bit of film and do a little bit of development. Otherwise, you guys go home and hang out with your families. Sure, you can do that, but you're not going to push to the level where Oregon has pushed in such a – you and I have said it before, Oregon's ahead of schedule. They are in yes. terms of the football program. No they're ahead of schedule. They were ahead of schedule – at the midway point of this year in development, in physicality, just in terms of, of recruiting. So many things, Oregon is ahead of schedule. They did not get there by taking the easy road and by, you know, taking days off. It just didn't happen. It doesn't. This business is too competitive. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a great, a great guest I would love to have would be, you know, somebody like, and we've had them before, but Gary Campbell or John Neal and Oregon fans can associate with these guys. Yeah, 20, 30 years ago, Coaching was different. You had more time off. Recruiting wasn't year-round. Those coaches have self-admitted on this podcast, Gary Campbell specifically, coaching nowadays is a totally different deal, which is why guys like that aren't looking to get back into it. You know, I, I think we're going to start seeing more of the Chris Peterson early exits yes. than we're going to see guys hanging around for 30, 40 years. And totally agree. It's just, it's just the way coaching's going. I was talking about this on my show today. Nick Saban. Yeah. Like, does he want to lose to Clemson every year? Does he want to miss out on the playoff every year? Right. If if he's got five people imitating what he does and he gets burned out by it, right? I think eventually he's just going to find his beach and go leave. Yeah, I mean, at some point you've, you've made your money. At some point you start looking at that. Okay, I've made my money. Do I want to enjoy this money? Do I want to stay, you know, at this level for another five years, 10 years. I, obviously, there is no perfect answer. Every coach is different. I think a guy like Chris Peterson, we could all very much see, hey, this is a guy who's made enough money, been successful. Maybe he takes a couple years off. Maybe he never comes back. Maybe he only comes back in an analyst capacity. Who knows? We don't know what his future holds, but he's very much a guy that strikes me like, hey, I remember when I got into Boise 20 years ago, you know, we would take February off and, and you know, you would take June and July off. You can't do that anymore. You can't. You mm -hmm. cannot if you want to be at this level, right. especially if you want to have the su success Oregon is having. And uh, and not just Oregon, but, I mean, these other programs, Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama. You're nuts if you don't think those programs are working incredibly hard and with bigger staffs. Cuban coffee. Part. Yeah, lots of Cuban coffee, man. But anyways, yeah, so I guess that was a different tangent than what I I'd planned on. I guess we're in a holding pattern here. Sounds like we'll hear from Andy Avalos here in the next couple minutes. Really excited to talk about him, spring ball, um, his defense, year two of his defense. I think they'll be. I think that'll be something. Um, yeah, just really excited to have him. And then you and I afterwards, we'll hang up with with coach uh, with coach Avalos. We could talk a little bit about breakout guys and some of the key position battles. But uh, we're recording this on a Wednesday, and spring ball starts tomorrow. Yeah, 
Yeah, spring ball tomorrow. T- crazy. Um, I'm going to go inside podcast with you for a minute. Okay. Is he going to text us when he's ready or... Uh no, should just the line should just right. uh I just got to look for that light to line just up. Look for that light to line up. Yeah. So coming back out of the break, Matt and I will have uh coach Avalos on for about 15ish minutes and hopefully we'll get some good answers or a good preview into spring ball that starts tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, man. I mean, you've got and you you've been hitting this hard all of the questions about spring football this year. Who's going to be under center? Right. Who's going to be catching passes? What's that offense going to look like? Who's going to step up if anybody can step up on defense? Because you've got all the guys that are returning. I don't know how many spots there are to steal. Yeah. It's going to be really fun to see this all shake out. That line, that linebacker group's insane. I mean, just the fact, the fact, the the linebacker group that's there right now is pretty remarkable. And then to add to the fact that you're bringing Jackson and Leduc and Justin Flo to the mix, both guys who I believe, and I, I am saying this about LaDuke as well, as much as I'm saying it about Flo, both of those guys would likely, likely push for a starting spot most years at Oregon. And I don't know where they're going to start. Where are you going to put them in at? I mean, that's going to be... It's a good problem to have. <laughs> it's a great it's problem. A, I mean, Ken really Wilson's a pretty problem. happy guy right now. I tell you what, yeah. I mean, for the most part. But, uh, but yeah, that'll be in, in the defense, man. Just as good as they were last year, almost all those guys are coming back. Yeah. I mean, it's hard. I mean, it's like you, at the, this is the point of the year, which Duck fans do this every year, and, and it's hard for us too as, as media guys. You start looking at things and start getting the, the – you know, start drinking the Kool-Aid. Right. Start drinking the green Kool-Aid, and you're going, man – Look at this defense. All these guys are coming back. Holy cow. These, you know, Thomas Graham and Diamandor Lenore might not have been first round draft guys, but they could potentially have been drafted in the NFL at some point. Right. They're coming back. And fights to Pasadena are pretty cheap. Yeah. So and people or- are starting to play in that stuff. Well, in Oregon, Oregon added three, five stars all on defense in this class. You know, Dante Manning and Justin Flo and and Noah Sewell. I mean, just you start looking at the defense, and then of course Coach Avalos, what he did the first year, coming back for a second year, um, you know, that just gives him that much more room to grow and add things into the mix. And yeah, it's hard not to, it's hard not to drink the Kool Aid at least when we're talking about the defense. Offense is a, is probably going to be a little bit more of a of a of a, of a work, in, work progress. in progress. Yeah, that's but, what I was going for. But let's say that offense takes a step back. Look at. Cal last year great offense no no the offense was pretty middling uh they had games like the duck game where their offense couldn't really get off the ground but that defense kept them in every game right and I think this duck defense can be as good or better than that Cal defense was last year are you going to win the Pac-12 title because of it we'll find out right 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 I'm with you it's too early to tell but that's going to be a really fun defense to watch I think your statement is a hundred thousand percent true. Oregon's defense is going to keep them pretty much in any game. It's really going to come down to how many points the uh, the offense puts up. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think there'll ever be a point where even if a game is you know twenty one zero at half and Oregon's down, you're only talking about twenty one points. You should right. be able to put up some points on offense. Any and, offense yeah. should be able to hit that mark. Yeah, I I, I think Oregon. I don't think we'll ever experience a, a a spot where we see Oregon's defense giving up you know, 35 first half points and going in the locker room going, okay, (laughs) 
That was rough. You know, that's tough to recover from. Hey, uh, we just got Andy Avalos on the phone line. We got to we got to stop. I hate to interrupt you. Andy Avalos, Ducks DC, next on Scoop Duck and Hi-Fi. Andy Avalos, our guest, Scoop Duck and Hi-Fi. Matt Bagley and Justin Hopkins here with you. Earlier, Justin and I were talking about how Mario Cristobal and this Oregon football program are ahead of schedule, meaning that through two years, you've accomplished a lot more than uh, than you were expected to do. I want to start this, Coach, by asking a similar question for you. First year at Oregon, I thought went as well as it could and, and got you consideration for some other gigs and, and got a lot of people thinking about your future. Did you expect to thrive as early as you did at Oregon? You always set standards, um, you know, and, and hope that the process and how you handle the process will meet those standards. And, and in the end, well, you know, you'll achieve the results that, that you're, you know, you're wanting to get. And we, uh, it took a lot of work. I mean, the players worked really, really hard. It meant a lot to them. And, you know, we talked about the care factor and how much, you know, they're, they're willing to open up their hearts and grow and learn. And, um, you know, it was, we grew a lot through the course of the year because of that. And, you know, as any football team, we had our ups and downs a little bit here and there, but the best part about that is we learn from those. And when you do get those situations, it's, it's critical that you learn from when you don't do well because you don't handle the process right, you know, and things like that. And so going into the last three games of the year, I mean, some things that happened to us throughout the course of the year really helped us to finish strong. Uh, Coach, I've got a couple more broad, generic questions for you. You know, by the way, I heard, uh, you know, you're at a, a coach's clinic at Nike this past weekend, and it went really well. I, I had a lot of, of individuals tell me you did a really great job with your portion of it, so congratulations there. But uh, how do you – I know coaches are always evolving and learning and continuing to build, but how did you kind of come up with your defensive philosophy that you're now using at Oregon? Well, <clears throat> It, number one, I think playing defense this day and age, you have to be multiple. You see such a variety of offenses. And so having the ability to be multiple up front and, uh, you know, be aggressive in the back end with the coverage. And, and we see offenses uh, this day and age where a lot of weight is put on the quarterbacks in terms of pre-snap decisions, reading this, reading that. And just being really, uh, you know, wanting to create a defense that puts and stresses the quarterback, you know, with his pre-snap reads and, maybe some disguise, whether it be in the front and also in the secondary and, and kind of putting the stuff together that would allow us to be multiple. Um, but more importantly, if we were going to be a multiple defense, you know, doing a great job of building the fundamentals and the techniques. That way we can take one piece and plug it into another situation or another front, take another piece, slightly adjust it, move it, because we understand our fundamentals and our techniques. And so in building this whole thing, it was always about the mentality, the fundamentals, and the techniques. And then from there, you know, we, we feel pretty good about uh, the ability to be multiple in the front and the back. Uh, kind of springing off of there, and this, this touches into recruiting for a portion of it, but I know a guy like Kayvon Thibodeau, you flip on his film, it's a no-brainer. You recruit him, you take him, you know what you're going to get out of a guy. Well, you believe you know what you're going to get out of a guy like Kayvon Thibodeau, but how do you kind of determine what body types you need for your front seven of your defense, and how do you kind of you know, work through that in recruiting with Coach Joe and Coach Wilson and, uh, and Coach Cristobal? Yeah, there's no question. So especially in the front, we spend a lot of time talking about 
and, and the coaches obviously very well know how the front works and why it's specific about, you know, we need certain body types. And, and we recruit, you know, we primarily, you know, we play way more four-man front than we do three-man front, especially on first and second downs, you know, but we primarily recruit to a three-man front so that we can be multiple. And being able to get the bodies that, you know, that, uh, number one, can bend, that, that can burst, um, guys that have length, and obviously they've got to have the mental capacity to be able to play within a, uh, a multiple front and play different techniques and apply them, you know, in different fronts. And so we have uh, a variety of specs that we're looking for in terms of length and size, but mobility and burst is, is everything. Uh as far as your defense goes, Coach, along with that, um, you know, you hear the old uh, live by the blitz, die by the blitz. As far as pressure goes, what are you, kind of your thoughts on pressure and how much to bring it and when to bring it? When, how do you just kind of integrate that into your defensive philosophy? If, you know, there's all kinds of ways to get pressure. And, you know, if you can get pressure with the three-man rush, awesome, because that means you got more coverage. If you can't do it with the three-man rush, and you you know you can do it with a four-man rush. If you can rush four and have more coverage in the windows, be able to do different things in the back end. Awesome. If you got to bring five because you can't get there with four, then let's go. Um, we don't. We're not a huge uh, six-man pressure team, but we'll bring a variety of four and five-man pressures, and we say four-man pressures because we call them simulated pressures. Where we're not bringing what you would, you know, the traditional four guys down. We're bringing a fourth that's standing up somewhere in the in the defense and dropping bodies out into windows again to make it harder on the quarterback to identify the windows, which bodies are playing which, and uh, you know, just just be able to again to move different techniques, you know, in different in the different windows. It sounds like the main main uh, idea is to try to get the offense to slow down and, and get them thinking. Usually creates more mistakes. We got to get them to react to us. Otherwise, we're reacting to them all day, you know. And, and that's a huge part of it. We spend, you know, a ton of time with our reactions. What is our what, what's the formation telling us? What are our keys telling us? How do we react to those keys? We we've got to flip that script and make offenses react to us in the pre-snap and once that ball snapped as well. Towards the end of last season, Coach, we saw a little bit more of the pre-snap movement up front, something that I know Oregon fans have seen Washington State do for the last couple of years in other places as well. Um, is that something that, that will continue to evolve in this defense in this year too? And what other elements do you expect to be able to bring in at this point? Yeah, I mean, and we, <clears throat> we were pretty excited about how much we were able to do last year. Obviously, there is more. There is more that, you know, we're going to expand on this year and, uh, you know, obviously year number two and not only expand, but do things better, improve on what we did last year. You know, all the way from, again, the fundamentals and the techniques to how we're executing the scheme and, and how we're operating in the pre-snap. Um, yeah, is there are there things that we, you know, still haven't got to that, you know, were done at previous places from guys on our staff? Um and that's the cool thing about it. It's a collaboration of different things that we've done at other places and being able to implement those things. And so we do have some more stuff. We're excited about spring ball. That's why spring ball is awesome. You don't have to play any games now. You can try some new things during the week and try them out in scrimmage. And, you know, obviously you're, they're, they're educated. You're educated on the things you're trying, but if they don't work, they don't work, you know, but you, you, you try to make them work and it's a good time of the year to, 
to see what fits us and what doesn't fit us and what we need to use going forward and maybe things we don't need to use going forward. Coach, earlier Justin and I were talking about how fans are really hyped about your defense next year and the potential they have next year. Uh, when, you, when you're telling me about areas you can improve, could you elaborate on that? Do you have any goals or any objectives that you want that defense to hit next season? Yeah, I mean, specific goals we won't get into, but areas, I mean, we always want to do a better job in the run game. Um, we've identified areas in certain defenses to make us better. You make our rush defense better, not only uh, certain defenses, but the, the techniques that we got to do a better job with certain fronts, certain uh, post-snap movements that we need to be more efficient at. Um, Coverage-wise, we, we've, I mean, we've studied the film. we study all the first and second down cutoffs, all the third down, all situations, and, and we are – we're dying to find where we can be better with the technique, make a technique better, play a technique a different way to make ourselves um, more efficient with the defense. And so all those things are – even how are we coaching situations? Can we coach a situation better? Can we coach third and mediums better? Can we coach third and longs better? How are we in the red zone? We, we're pretty good, but how do we get better in the red zone? We're talking about three or nothing in the red zone all the time. Um, but how are we actually going to – it's always about the how. How are we going to do that better? Uh, Coach, I, I have a real quick question for you, but who I, I know it takes all 11 to, you know, function as, as one and, and be successful on defense, but who has the toughest job in your defense? And I know that can change in certain calls, but overall, is there a particular uh, position that really has the, the, the uh, you know, the most importance in your defense for it to be successful? The, the, in the presentation, <clears throat> the communicators are the safeties and the linebackers. They're setting the defense. And so it's huge. It's huge with, with the communication for for us to play, you know, all 11 together. And then, obviously, I mean, defense always starts at the front. You've got to have um, a disciplined and physical defensive line that is very consistent. And not only that, the depth that you've got to be able to create within that defensive front is very important because it's the games are long and the season's long. And we've got to be able to develop a lot of guys to be able to rotate in there. Um, and, so, and so everybody has the, their piece of the, uh, of the pie, obviously. Some pieces are bigger. Some pieces, you know, the emphasis is a little bit different. But, you know, the, the communication always starts between the safeties and the linebackers. I know that this is a, a, a typical coach's least favorite question, but I, I've got to ask it. Are there a couple guys <laughs> that Oregon fans, uh, you know, might want to be paying a little bit closer attention to in terms of of a breakout year, or just or just somebody that really came along and developed really well late into last season that might get a head start into this year, um, or just you know had a really strong winter you know program? Is there somebody that's been relayed to you that that Oregon fans might want to keep tabs on a little bit? Well, I mean, I think. Uh, <clears throat> You know, we, we obviously we played some younger guys last year that, uh, you know, towards the end of the year, some freshmen that obviously had developed and, and felt a lot more comfortable. I mean, um, KT and Mace Funa and then uh, Brandon Dorless as well, you know, towards the, the last quarter of the season really, really progressed. And we were able to, you know, play him in more, more situations, um, which is a natural progression that you would hope for. Um, and then as well, I mean, you're looking at guys, uh, a veteran – uh, defensive back group that's coming back, but also has some young guys in there as well. You know, guys like Michael Wright that stepped up and, and did a really good job providing some dependable depth that is a really good player and 
you know, to be able to have him and Thomas and Demo and, and DJ and some of the other guys back there on the outside. And then obviously uh, the safety group, we're very fortunate to be having, uh, you know, those guys all come back. Brady came on strong at the end of the year, but Nick Pickett played really well as well. And so, you know, uh, Javon is Javon. He allows us to be very multiple within our fronts and what we do coverage-wise as well. So we're excited about a whole host. That's a, that's a long list there. We can talk about that all day because we're, we're very fortunate to be having a lot of guys come back that, that do have experience. And then also looking, you know, some of the guys that registered or some of the guys that are coming in, obviously there's a lot of work to be done with those guys to, to, to develop them and so they can have, uh, you know, some breakout years. Uh, Coach, I know you're not present for workouts, but uh, have any of your guys kind of relayed anybody on offense that they've said, hey, Coach, this guy's, this guy's coming along, he's, he's giving us fits out there. Has anybody kind of been relayed to you on that front, Coach? Well, we're, we're able to see him run and, and be at the, the conditioning and agility workouts and all that stuff. And so, you know, we see all the offense players as they come through our stations and things like that. Um, and, you know, Hunter Campboyer is always a guy that is, it strikes me as a guy that, leads by example by how he works and how hard he works and the things he does um, that way. CJ is always on it. CJ is an elite competitor on the field on game day when you see him. And then in, in the groups when we're training, um, he's leading his group. And so that's really exciting to see. And, you know, there's there's a whole host of guys that, that are leading there. And, you know, um, obviously everybody wants to talk about the quarterback position and, and, and as a whole, you know, obviously with Justin graduating and, and moving on, that quarterback position has done a tremendous job in the training sessions. There's guys that are that are pushing and leading the group, and you know the team sees that, and that's exciting. The guys are excited about the way those guys are working and how they're preparing themselves. Coach, one of the biggest topics uh, over the last three or four weeks, or however long it's been, has been uh, you know obviously Dante Williams elected to, to move on to USC and did a lot of great things in his short time at Oregon. But uh, you know, Coach Chris Ball was able to bring back Rod Chance and, from Minnesota, who did spend time at Oregon previously. I know you guys will get into it over the next couple of weeks, through the spring, through the summer, but just kind of early thoughts on Coach Chance and what he brings to the table and what you've kind of gleaned from him so far. Number one, he is a tremendous communicator and teacher. He does an extremely good job communicating and teaching the position and a progression where we feel like we're going to be able to build and grow at a very fast speed. And then, um, you know, with that comes relationships and coaching, and, and obviously that's a huge component in recruiting. Not only the networks and the, you, you know, the connections in which you know in certain communities, certain areas, um, you know, those are, those are built through relationships. So uh, his ability to communicate and connect is unbelievable. We're, you know, and on top of this, he comes from uh, a past defense at Minnesota that was ranked number nine in the nation. So on all levels, we're extremely excited about the ability to grow and, and continue to develop this defense and the ideas that he's going to bring in help, as well as, you know, the impact he's going to have in recruiting. Last question, Coach, and it's real easy. It's a, it's a layup for you, but uh, you spent uh, – you know, Let's make it a slam dunk. Oh, I make know it a slam dunk. Going. I know oh, where you're going. Yeah, I don't know. Let's slam dunk this thing. Slam dunk. You know, it's, it's actually really easy. I know you're a, a huge family man. I know that that's very valuable to you. You've spent the year in Eugene. It's not for everybody, but so far, how have you and your family embraced Eugene, and, and are you really enjoying the city itself? We love the outdoors now. So we, we've had – uh, the first year here, and you know, I've obviously moved out here before my family did, but my family, we, we love the outdoors, the water and the lakes and the rivers, and uh, to be able to, 
have access to that, you know, all around the city has been unbelievable. And now we don't get to use it very often, but when we do, it's been awesome. You know, and for me, it's always just about my wife and, and my daughters and their transition and making friends and, and having relationships and, and staying busy with the activities. And they're, you know, the schools here in, in Eugene are unbelievable. And, and the one that my daughters go to has been great. And so that's all I can ask for. They wake up in the morning excited to go to school and see their friends and learn. And so mama's happy about that. So, you know, daddy's happy. <laughs> happy wife, happy life. That's how it goes. No <laughs> well, you all probably thought I was going to go with a linebacker question, which is way too obvious. Well, so. well no, no. I mean, so, <laughs> so you came prepared. You asked him like 20 awesome questions. The only one I had, and I know you've answered this before, Coach, but you had a long history at Boise State. Somebody from the outside might have said, hey, he's a Boise State lifer. You go to the Ducks. Why Oregon? And there wasn't very many schools that, you know, would ever even interest us in leaving Boise State. Um, but Oregon's different. Oregon has always been a, a school that uh, that I've – Watched, studied from afar, admired from afar, previous coaches on all levels, head coaches, uh, defensive coordinators, position coaches, people that I admired. And, and so um, obviously being a West Coast guy and it being on the West Coast and, and being in the Pac-12, and that's one thing. That's part of the fit. The other, the other part of the fit is um, obviously having the ability to compete and be successful and, and then the mentality piece that, that Coach Cristobal brings and, and how he's building this program and, and the things that we're trying to get done in the direction we're trying to go, that was a match. It was, a, it was an absolute match, so very blessed to, to have this opportunity and obviously um, you know, work, work really, really hard and diligently to continue to help Coach build it. Well, I know I speak for most Oregon fans, but they're very happy to have you here, Coach Avalos, and yeah. uh, we want to get you out because I know tomorrow's a big day, but uh, good luck and have fun this spring, and, and, uh, and go Ducks. Appreciate you guys having me on. Go Ducks. Yeah, I had to ask that one. Yeah. I, I thought you were on it. I was like, oh, man, Justin has it. Has it queued up? Because it's an easy question. But it had to be asked. Well, yeah. No, you're right. It did. Uh, you know, I've actually heard him talk about that before, and I believe it was in a bit of a private setting. Uh, it was a coach's camp. And uh, he pretty much said the same things at that time that he did here. So I believe it to be truthful. I mean, I just, you know, here's the thing. When Mario Cristobal gets these coaches, these 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 guys on the phone that he's interviewing and it doesn't matter if it's offensive coordinator defense coordinator, cornerbacks coach but you know whatever you name the position that he's interviewing for he gets a ton of interest and not only that these guys come and they even though the process of his of his interviewing is really diligent and really long and it can be tiring all these guys are so impressed with how thorough he is they want to be a part of it right they appreciate what he's built with the other coaches and that chemistry in that environment. And I think that's spoke a lot to coach Avalos when he came out, he could see that, you know, there was some real experience in that room and there were some guys with the, you know, uh, very valuable and, and they'd built something, you know, pretty in Oregon. I know as much as we said, Oregon shouldn't go independent. It is definitely very much a national brand, you know, in terms of coaching right now, today, you're wanting to hit your wagon to the hot program. You're right. wanting to ride that elevator to the top. And Oregon's very much at that spot right now. It doesn't mean they're a traditional power. They aren't 
you know, Alabama, Notre Dame, we talked about before, right. but in terms of right now, they're the hot hand. And so I, I think what you're getting at is players find Oregon appealing yeah. right now. Yep. Coaches definitely find Oregon definitely. appealing. Yep. I mean, Avalos is talking about, I get to go fishing. I get to go hunting. Right. My kids have good schools. My wife loves living on the West Coast. Very important. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'd rather, I mean, I'd rather live in Oregon than live anywhere else. Yeah. That's obvious to me. Um, does it have as many fans as a Bama or a Notre Dame or an Ohio State? No, but right. it's a way better place to live. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've I've said this before. If you're, and I'll take this back to a recruiting, you know, because that's where, I, but if you're recruiting and you go out and you're talking to young men that are always looking for something to do and want to kind of have more of a nightlife, Eugene's not for them. No. It really isn't. Especially not since Taylor's just closed. Well, yeah, rest in peace, Taylor's. But no, um, <laughs> if that's what you're after, Oregon is not going to be able to successfully recruit those young men. But if you're somebody that says, hey, look, I've got nice things around me. I can go explore if I want to. But really, I just want to come and be a better student and a better athlete and really focus on that for three or four years. Eugene's a fantastic place for you to do that. Just enough for you to be able to get out. And if you, you know, if you are willing and if you want to go hit the rivers or do some hikes and do some, you're, you've got the benefit of that. Yeah. But if you really want to focus on being a better football player and limit your distractions outside, I mean, that's the thing about LA. I love LA. I love to visit LA. It's great. I love to go to the beach. I love that. But if I was 19 years old and it was, you know, I could go do this voluntary football workout or I could go to Huntington Beach and look at bikinis. Right. It gets really hard. Okay. Bikinis are going to win that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. There's only so much willpower in this world. Work or babes. Yeah. Work or babes. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, in terms of, doesn't mean Eugene doesn't have attractive young gals it does but it just again you start limiting your distractions it's really going to help you prepare and 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 let's face it the ultimate goal for most of these student athletes is to get ready for the nfl that's the ultimate whether they all get there or not it's a different story but that's the ultimate goal right right and in terms of being a coach you know i don't think oregon is necessarily a stepping stone but i mean let's face it if you go to oregon and alabama comes calling i mean i mean how hard is i mean that's hard to turn away we just went through this yeah i mean you know it's just kind of the nature of the game i mean literally flip a coin and aaron feld probably goes to bama right i mean that's tough that's what do you do you grew up there around the corner i mean it's very much like dante williams you grew up watching usc you remember the reggie bushes and the matt leinerts and all those historic games that they had you know you grew up in alabama around the corner you know idolizing nick saban and and uh you know i don't i don't it's i mean it's yeah it's that would be tough for anybody that'd be like if audi called and offered me a job to go work at their you know facility you're an audi guy making car yeah well yeah that's funny yeah that's funny i have a, a buddy of mine that's a total gearhead oh just, yeah just car expert he's an audi guy yeah they're only has audis right yeah yeah no the yeah, but, in, you know, we all have that kind of, hey, this would be, you know, it'd be the same thing. Like if Fort George called and said, hey, you want to come help us make beer? We need a taste tester. Yeah. I, sorry. Scoop that closes tomorrow, people. <laughs> yeah. If that happens. Um, oh, but no. So uh, great stuff with Coach Avalos. I mean, obviously, you know, if you watch the defense last year and if you're not drinking some green Kool-Aid for this year on the defense, I I don't know what, what it's going to take because, uh, I mean, the defense was unreal last year. Yeah. And he was real humble when we Mm -hmm. had him. I mean, he was pointing out all these things that weren't what he wanted, things he wanted to improve on. His defense is going to rock. Yeah. 
but that's how you get better. That's how you make them better. Yeah. I mean, once once you've yeah. kind of said, "Hey, we're at the, we're at the top. We don't need to go any farther." Then you're in trouble. Then right. somebody else passes you. So, um, no, I you know I guess for me, putting a bow on this podcast would just be talking about breakout guys and some of the key position battles as spring ball starts tomorrow. Sure. Uh, breakout guys, you got a couple guys that you think are going to break out this, you know, just right. And what right. I mean by breakout, obviously we are, we're not going to play any games, so we don't, Oh yeah. Hey, this guy, you know, he's the dude, but it's like, Hey, there's always a couple guys that when you come like Micah Pittman last year, right. There's always guys when you come out of spring that their stock has risen. Maybe that's what I should say. For me, I think about all of the receivers we talked about last signing day. Yeah. All the guys that Mario brought in the previous class and, we we really only saw Micah this year, yeah. But I feel like all of those guys can explode, and and you know like Jr. Waters is a sure. good example, yeah. Um, well, and then you look at the backfield. I'm still on Sean Dollar's island, yeah. Like you're, you're, I I believe that kid can just explode. You're, and dr- it's, you're driving the Dollar train. It's just a matter of time. <laughs> no, and it's there. And I've heard some good reports about him, uh, you know, in the winter, and really just his his the way he finished the season last year and has carried that to this point, it's been an uptick. He's been, you know, I guess that's, we probably shouldn't call them breakout guys, but it's like more like stock up guys, you know, for me. And a couple guys that that I've also heard and I've mentioned that B-roll candidate Spencer Webb, I think he's a guy there that alluding to what you said, they're going to need some pass catchers in the offense. Um, I think the Joe Moorhead style of offense might be a little bit more friendly for a guy like Spencer Webb, maybe not so much uh, demanding him to be, you know, on the line of scrimmage, mauling dudes and being a huge blocker, maybe allowing him to run in space a little bit and catch the ball, which we know he can do. Um, Devin Williams is a guy I've just uh, continued to hear. Oh, I forgot I thought, about Devin Williams. I, I was hoping Avalos might throw it out there when I asked about offensive guys, but he didn't. So, I mean, I think that's a guy right there where you really have to circle him and say, Mm, probably not a hot take to say this guy's going to end up making a push here. So um, those are a couple guys. I, I also have two others. I think Steven Jones uh, is going to make a significant impact on the offensive line. Right. Uh, I'm not going to say that he's going to be Panay Sewell's caliber because that's awfully elite. I think he's really going to be a guy that at the end of the year, everybody goes, oh, yeah, that's a dude you got to watch out for. Well, there's a couple of guys on that line. Yes, it's it's going to be tough to replace the guys that have left. Right. But it opens up an opportunity for some really talented players. You've got some dudes there. Yeah. Yeah. Sala is there. You know, you've got Stephen Jones. We haven't even talked about Jonah Tawanu'u. There's some guys that are going to be able to come in and help that line right away. We always want to compare Cristobal and Saban and Oregon and Bama. I think about it this way. Every year, Bama sends guys to the NFL. Right. Every year. Like, top three corners always go. Linebackers always go. D-line always goes. And then they just reload with the guys right behind them. Right. Are we scared right now because we're going to have some holes on the offensive line? Yes. Yeah. But I think the Ducks are going to reload. I'm right there with you. Those guys are going to break out. Yeah, no, I think that's going to be a big, but then it's definitely going to be a big part. I mean, I'm not going to mention somebody like Tyler Shuck because it's pretty obvious. I mean, he's going to be the guy. I mean, he's going to have a big year because he didn't play last year. So, um, you know, kept some of those obvious ones aside. But uh, the other guy is Isaac Slade Mataotia. I think he's going to have a big year. And I know he had a really good year last year, uh, but I think he's really going to embrace that 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 leader role. 
Um, you know, Troy Dye's gone, and I don't want to say he lived in a shadow, but he kind of did a little bit. I think he's really going to emerge this year and be somebody that that I, it won't surprise me that he ends up leading the team in tackles this year. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Talk about units that are reloading that linebacking core. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then for me, I don't know about you, but the I have one, two, three. I have five position battles that I'm that I'm really curious about. And you know, obviously, number one for me is quarterback number two. Obvious. Who's behind Tyler Shuck? Obvious. I, yeah, yeah. I mean that that one there. I think we won't really have a good handle on this spring because Robbie Ashford won't come till after the spring is done. I think he'll enter the mix in the fall. So really, the the, the quarterback two position battle will be one to watch, but. I just don't know that we'll have an answer coming out of spring on that one. Um, and I listed it this way, but I said wide receiver slash three slash wide receiver four. I think it's going to be really hard for somebody to push Jalen Red out of a starting spot. It's going to be really hard for somebody to push Johnny Johnson out of a starting spot. So, you know, does that wide receiver three, four become, you know, Pittman and Devin Williams or, you know what I mean? What do you, what just kind of, where does that, how does that break down? So, it was. I mean, I think it's going to be tough for Devin Williams not to be a starter. But then, what do you do with Pittman? Um, I just think that'll be interesting to see the rotation more so than the battle itself. Mm-hmm. And then, like you said, you know, you still got guys like Jared Waters and Lance Wilhoit that you're hoping take that next step and enter the mix as well. Um, and then tight end number one. I mean, is it Spencer Webb? Do you you know? I mean, Camp Moyer. Do you? I mean, what do you do? Right. I mean, just right. You know, is Patrick Herbert there and ready? I mean, I, I was gonna say, talk you, about Dollars Island. Yeah, I am still you also are, yeah. on Herbert Island. Yeah, yeah. And then you know, Cam McCormick is the real. You know, where is where is he at in his health? Where is he at in terms of being able to go? I, I still uh, Cam McCormick's another guy. I still don't know that we'll have a great answer on him coming out of the spring about his availability for the season and where things are at. He'll continue mm-hmm. to progress, but I just don't think we'll have the answer. Yeah. So I think tight end one is a, is a big, uh, and then who takes over the stud spot? You know, Bryson young was there. It was a really important part in the defense. Um, you know, we didn't really get coach Avalos to talk about that much, but I think that's a spot right there. Who, who slides in and takes over at stud, uh, full time for Oregon, and and if you if you just if you don't know, Stud is kind of that defensive end, outside linebacker, hybrid spot. Somebody's got their hand in the dirt sometimes. Somebody's you know dropping back into the windows, as Coach called it. Um, so that's a, that's a you know, I mean, who's going to earn that spot? It's going to be um, something I'm watching. And then I wrote it down, but just safety. We know Javon Holland's going to lock down a nickel spot. But who's got the other spot? You got yeah. I mean, right. it's, and and it's not because you don't have experience there. It's just you know, like he like coach said, Coach Avalos admitted, hey Brady Breeze finished strong. Nick Pickett was finishing well. You know, you still got Verone McKinley. You brought in Bennett Williams as a JUCO. He was a freshman All American safety in the Big Ten. Um, I mean, it's a good problem to have, but that's really going to be. Uh, I imagine. Once again, we won't really have a good handle on that situation coming out of spring until we get somewhere in the midway point of fall of kind of who's going to be the two. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll see how it all shakes out, man. I I think that we're going to learn some things and we're still going to have some meat to chew on the bone for a couple of months. Well, this is that time where we kind of learn some new names and learn about the guys that, you know, okay, hey, look, when we go into fall. You know, here's the two or three position battles that are left ongoing, and here's the three or four guys you really need to keep your eyes on because they could be making a big impact. That's kind of what we'll learn from spring. It might trim down a little bit, but, I mean, somebody like Coach Cristobal who preaches development as much as he does, he's not going to limit anybody. It's going to be, hey, we're going to just try to find the best 11. 
period, on both sides of the ball. And that's going to be the goal for the next month. Scoop Duck and Hi-Fi. Uh, we sprinkled in a little bit of hoops chat earlier. Uh, ladies playing in Vegas this weekend at the Pac-12 tournament. I, I think they're going to take care of it. How I mean, can you not? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I'm not betting against them. That's certainly for sure. Yeah, yeah, I, I think they're on a mission. I, I think they're, you know, they're definitely locked in and focused. And then the men have a chance if they sweep this weekend, they have a chance to do something. I don't think it's ever happened, right? The triple crown, right? Right. Never in the Pac-12, it's never happened, right? Men's men's basketball, women's basketball, football conference champions yeah. in the same year. Unbelievable. The triple crown. Unbelievable. Yeah. So rooting for them to get that done, and then they'll be in Vegas the week after with the uh, tournament. It's the Conference of Champions, baby. <laughs> Don't say that too loudly. <laughs> It'll puff up Larry's ego there. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, Scoop Duck and Hi-Fi, always want to thank you for listening. If, you, if you've only heard part of this and you missed the big headline, we got Andy Avalos today. So go back, listen back to this. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, everywhere. Scoop Duck and Hi-Fi. Thanks for listening, everybody. Go Ducks. Go Ducks.